It's good to be with you this morning. You know, when, when Tom uh, reaches out to me and asks if I want to fill in um, here at Calvary, you know, I was having the back of my mind, well, yeah, I mean, we can, I can take my kids to the beach afterwards. But, you know, I need to put in a contingency clause if the weather is bad. Uh, um, but no, 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 I'm glad to be here. Why am I here? Uh, to open up God's word uh, to you this morning. Um, and uh, but let me start first uh, with pastoral prayer. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather in your name this morning as your people to worship you. You are indeed are worthy of our worship. And we thank you, Lord God, for uh, the, the, the might, the extent, the power of your church throughout the world. It's spiritual power to save souls uh, from darkness into light, from death to life. I thank you for this congregation, uh, Calvary, uh, that we can visit it, my wife and my kids and I this morning, as we have before, and that we can worship alongside this congregation. I lift up, Heavenly Father, the needs that are here this morning, needs I don't know, perhaps, but you know, needs of health uh, for healing, needs of work for provision of a job, needs, Heavenly Father, of uh, struggles within families, struggles within individual hearts, spiritual needs, Heavenly Father, those who are, uh, feel far from you, those who are struggling to hold on to you. We pray, Heavenly Father, for your spirit to be at work in our hearts this morning in this place. I, I pray for your spirit to be at work in this congregation, that it might love uh, love the members of the body well. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the light of your gospel to go out here uh, uh, down by the shore as it is out in uh, uh, Mercer County, where we're from. Heavenly Father, we, we pray uh, that you would watch over us. I lift up my own ministry uh, at, uh, uh, in, uh, with college students and uh, pray that you would uh, bless the Princeton Christian Fellowship. Uh, 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 where I serve. We think of students who will come to campus in the fall, equip us to reach them that they might know who their creator is. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing on Pastor Tom and his family that you would bless their time down in Florida. Give them rest and refreshment. Dear Lord, we know that you are the giver of all good gifts. And that in, in you, in trusting in you, in walking with you, there is fullness of joy. And so fill our hearts today on this rainy day, fill our hearts with joy. Because we know you as our Lord and as our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our scripture this morning uh, is from Ecclesiastes. Uh, so you can turn with me, if you will, to Ecclesiastes I'm going to read from chapter 11, so close to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, from chapter 11, verse 9, through chapter 12, verse 7, verse 8, rather. 11, 9 through 12, 8. And this, you know, my primary focus will be on, on verse 1 and what follows of chapter 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. But really, it starts a few verses earlier in chapter 11. So let's read. This is Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, 
But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms The grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about in the streets, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity." This is God's Word. And so this, you know, have you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? Is this a book you know? You know, what is Ecclesiastes about? It's like it's the most downer book in the Bible. Or maybe the most positive. It's one or the other. That's actually like two main schools of interpretation. It's either the most pessimistic or the most optimistic book in the Bible. And why the most pessimistic? I mean, the fundamental message of Ecclesiastes is, um, you know, you can have everything in life, money, power, relationships. And uh, in the end, it, you know, what's the theme? I mean, it's there in verse 8. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. What does that mean? Vanity, is tra- it's translating a word. It's like emptiness or breath or wind, right? It's, it's nothing. It's something you're trying to grab hold of and you can't hold it right? It slips away from you. And so Ecclesiastes just goes through at great length of all the things people chase after, we chase after in this life, fame, power, glory, whatever it might be, youth. But it's something we can't, we, 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 we can't hold on to it any more than we can hold on to the wind, right? And that's the message of the book. It's not a very, not a very optimistic book. I had my um, best friend in, uh, in college uh, I mean, he was, a, he was an, uh, a non-Christian unbeliever, and he went through a crisis uh, in his life as a student. And, um, and he, you know, I'd been witnessing to him for some years at that point. And uh, we just had all these intellectual kinds of conversations, and we never really got to the heart issues. And, um, but, you know, he, he had this uh, personal crisis, and so he just took to, and he was really, um, you know, uh, in a bad way. And he was just, re- he took to reading Ecclesiastes. Over and over. One book in the Bible. Finally, I got him to read, read the scripture. And what it somehow he found, I did not tell him, read the book of Ecclesiastes because you're depressed. No, no, no. I, he found it on his own. And he just kept reading. And I was like, read a gospel. You know, let's read a gospel together. Let's read, you know, maybe, maybe one of Paul's letters, you know, something about the hope of, the, the, the hope of salvation that's found in Jesus Christ. But he just kept going through this book. And, uh, you know, and I was worried. I'm like, oh, this is not the right book for him. But you know what? It was the right book for him. This actually, Ecclesiastes maybe is one of the best evangelistic books 
in the Bible. And why is that? Because, you know, for him, he was, he was, he'd faced some of the hardships of life. He'd encountered them. They were very real. Um, he had serious health issues, actually, so that wasn't the cause of the crisis. But he knew the difficulties of life, and Ecclesiastes wasn't lying to him, right? The book of Ecclesiastes wasn't lying to him. It wasn't saying like, oh, life is great, but, you know, if, if, if you become a Christian, life will be just a little bit better, right? It was like life is vanity, but remember your creator, but remember your creator. And so, you know, this is a book worth reading, Ecclesiastes. It's a book worth knowing. It's a book worth reading with non-Christians. I mean, we had this discussion. I do campus ministry, and we had this discussion like this, this, we should do a series on Ecclesiastes, and we should, like, publicize it on campus. Like, what's a kind of, what's a series we could do in our, our large group gatherings on campus that would get students to come? And how would we advertise it? Like, it, 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 asking big questions about life. Does life matter? Right? And because uh, those are questions that we all need answered, and certainly questions that young people are struggling with today. So Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is a powerful book. And our passage today, I mean, it's not, it's not the very end of the book, but it's close. But I want to focus in on this one phrase, remember also your creator, from verse 1 of chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Right? Remember also your Creator. I want to give you three reasons why you should remember your Creator. Uh, for, uh, three reasons. First, uh, f- because you owe it to Him. Because you owe it to Him. Uh, second, for yourself, for your own sake now today. Uh, and third, for your future. Right? Three reasons to remember your Creator. Because you owe it to Him. We owe it to Him. For your own sake. And for your future. And so let me start with uh, remember your Creator because you owe it to Him. You know, we live in a, an age of nostalgia. You know, I know like, I'm now old enough that, like, like um, you know, marketing is aimed at me. And what, what do I mean by that? Like, you know, my wife and I, when we go into a store... Um, or we're in a restaurant, like the soundtrack is the soundtrack of our youth. Right? That's how you know you're, you want proof you're middle-aged. If you're in a restaurant and the songs are you're like, oh, I remember that from high school. Right? That just means you're in your earning years and they want your money. Right? And they want to tug on those, those memories you have. Right? Those songs from high school. I mean, for me, um, it, it's, this is like 90s pop rock um, alternative. Um, tugs on my heartstrings and uh, nirvana. I mean, you know, I feel bad now as a middle-aged man, um, you know, Pearl Jam. But, you know, this is, these are the, they, they want to tug on that nostalgia. Also, you know, like the movies. You know, they started making some years ago movies that were of toys when I was a child. Transformers. I played with Transformers in the 1980s. Did you play with Transformers? Toys, some of you are too old for that and some are too young. But, you know, I was the right age and some, at some point, right, they're like, let's make huge movies out of toys. I mean, well, there's a Barbie movie coming out, I think, next weekend, right? Nostalgia, nostalgia is a powerful force. Memory is a powerful force. Uh, and I feel it as a parent. You know, you buy things for your kids that you enjoyed as a child. I bought like a, you know, uh, books that I enjoyed. I wanted to, I, I went on a used, you know, used, used, used bookstores online to find the exact copy, the edition that I read of those things because I want my children to enjoy what I enjoyed. 
when I was young, right? I remember, I remember my youth. I have fondness for it. What are you nostalgic for? What are you nostalgic for? Do you know where you came from? Right? That's what's part, part of what's involved in remembering your creator in the days of your youth is remembering where you came from. Where did you come from? When I, you know, when I meet with college students, I'm meeting someone for the first time, you know, you ask questions like, oh, you know, tell me about your life. Oh, what are some, like, you know, spiritual highs and lows? Tell me about your journey with the Lord. Um, uh, you ask questions like, tell me about your family, right? Tell me about your, your, your you want to get really personal, you know, tell me about your relationship with your father, right? How are things? Or with your mother, um, that takes, that's not like the first question you ask. That's not a first date question. Um, but, you know, tell me about that. You learn a lot about someone from that, right? From those questions, from knowing where they came from. Where did you come from? Right? I know, I mean, even like, uh, 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 you know, I sometimes ask, my wife had a you know, troubled uh, family upbringing in some ways. You know, I ask her, like, how did you turn out so well? And, you know, what, what her answer is, her answer is Anne of Green Gables. Any of you read those books? Anne of Green Gables. Because for her as a child, you know, she read those, and in those books she found something that she wanted to have. Sometimes what we're nostalgic for, sometimes when we're looking back, where did I come from, what we're trying to remember is something that we knew we lacked but we wanted. Right? You might find that. You might find that in a book series, Anne of Green Gables. That's at least a good choice. Where you see people who are tender to one another, who love one another, who are faithful, who love God for that matter. So sometimes our nostalgia is for things that we did not have. But yeah, where did you come from? Well, this is for, you know, why should we remember our Creator? Why should we remember God, right? This is, this is like a question people actually ask themselves in the modern day. Why should we remember God? Why? Because that's where we come from. That's who made us. It's so good. I mean, one, one of the great uh, uh, huge downfalls of the current culture is we feel like we're in control of our own lives. I mean, not actually, but like we can just, we can withdraw into a world of our own creating. We can create it online if we want. Uh, we can cultivate and curate a world that serves what we, that, per, that gives us uh, the, what we want. And we can forget where we came from. And we can forget who made us. When you look at, you know, driving here this morning, when you look at that rain, like, did you make the rain? Did you make the grass? Did you make the sky? We, were, we went to a Phillies game on Friday. Um, and uh, um, I saw them lose badly. But, um, but uh you know, we were down in, you know, in, in the ballpark, and you're there, and one of the things I like about a ballpark is it's open air, and you're just there, and, you know, because they were losing, you know, I was, like, looking at the sky, um, and there's this beautiful sunset, and it's a cliche, like, you look at a sunset, like, who made that? I did not make that. I did not make me. Even my mother, you know, in a certain sense, my mother and my father made me, you know. That's what, like, your, your mother says to you, I brought you into this world, Right? But even my mother ultimately didn't bring me into this world. The Lord brought me into this world. So remember your creator because you owe it to him. He, he created us. 
Ecclesiastes says earlier, he, he put eternity into man's heart. That joy, that wonder, that excitement, that hope that we have comes from our Creator. One of the great lies of our current culture is that you can create yourself. That you have, as if you have that power over your own life. So remember your Creator. Remember because you owe it to Him. Wrestle with that. Maybe you rebel against that. Do I really owe God? Do I really owe God? But you did not make yourself. I did not make myself. We are creatures. And we were created that we might worship our Creator, that we might know Him, that we might love Him as He indeed loves us. So first, yeah, why remember your Creator? Because we owe it to Him. Second, second, remember your Creator for your own sake. For your own sake. I mean, you know, we ask this, like, what do I get out of it? That's like a big part of uh, uh, American uh, uh, culture. What do I get out of it? What's my return on investment? That's where we are, people work in finance, you know. What's my return on investment? What's the quid pro quo? Like, if I follow God, do I benefit? You know, the, the verses uh, that I started with out of chapter 11 are really provocative. You know, rejoice, O young man, in your youth, right? I mean, it is, it is a very straight, straightforward, like, enjoy youth. If you're young, enjoy it. Before you get old, enjoy it. And even, you know, this sounds, this is, uh, you know, 11, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. This sounds very modern-day American. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Right? That sounds like modern advice. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But this is, this is key. But, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Right? But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. These are like cliche, cliches in our culture. One of our cliches is uh, follow your heart. I mean, we had, I was counseling a young man. He got himself into a bit of trouble, um, done some things he shouldn't have done, and, um, and they caused a mess in his, all, his relationships, and, which he needed to get out of. And his, his advice, the advice he got from his parents was, um, well, just find what makes you happy. Right? That's, that's like our, our default. Just find what makes you happy. Well, that, trying to find what made him, make it, made him happy is what got him into the trouble in the first place. Right? Because in the short term, what he, how he'd gone into trouble was he was telling falsehoods about big important things. So he was, he was telling things that weren't true. And that, in the moment, that was convenient and made him happier than the consequence of telling the truth, which would have had to mean fessing up to things he hadn't done or things he had done. And so in following his heart, it had deceived him, right? And then the, net, the end result was he was no longer enjoying the days of his youth because he got himself into trouble. I mean, it's interesting. There's, a, a, there's a, like faith and joy. They're two sides of the same coin. Like following God, sometimes we think about like, oh, if I follow God, if I realize that like, God will bring me into judgment. That just sounds like a buzzkill. You know, like our idea of enjoying youth is like judgment-free, consequence-free. Do you want to be judged? No. I mean, you want other people to be judged for sure. But do you want to be judged? Absolutely not. 
But these things, to, uh, you know, what kind, what kind of a, a book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes? It's wisdom literature. And what's the foundation of biblical wisdom? The foundational bi- of, of biblical wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And that wisdom, without that wisdom, there cannot be happiness. And that there, there cannot be joy. If I don't know where I came from and where I'm going, how on earth can I live my life today? This working with college students is it's it's an interesting way to live because like we live in a cultural moment more than maybe any other in our history that has rejected um, the idea that old people know anything, right? That there's any wisdom to be gained, right? It's it's exalted like the the mind of the eighteen year old is 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 definitive. What you think about yourself, the identity you choose for yourself, is true. Your feelings, what you feel, are true. Right? That, that's, that's where our culture is. And so often, you know, often we have this situation, um, you know, on campus where, like, people, everyone is trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, so often my wife and I have these conversations um, where it's like, you know, my, this is the phrase I say, like, my grandmother could have told, there are all these things, people like lear, lessons they're learning the hard way. I'm like, my grandmother knew that. There's some students, you know, talking about they're on the bus and the one girl's talking to the other girl and uh, she's unhappy because, um, you know, this guy's not calling her back so that they, um, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the right phrase I should use euphemistically? They hooked up, you know, they hooked up and the guy's not calling her back and she's, she's ups, upset about it. Like, why is it working out that way? And the bus driver, the, the lady driving the bus knows so much more than life about, than the college students, right? And she's just schooling the girl about like, this is how life works. And here's some wisdom. But we reject that. We reject the idea of even human wisdom, let alone the idea that God the fear of God is the source of wisdom. The key to me enjoying my life today is that I would fear God and that I would know his ways. Because in that fear of the Lord, I am freed, not chained, but freed from the deceitfulness of sin in my heart and enabled to do what is good. And in doing what is good, enabled to experience joy. And so why should you remember your creator? For your own sake. The return on investment is high. Do you want to be happy? Follow God. I want to say that. Like, do you want to be happy now? It's not, the gospel is not about making your life happy now. But do you want to be happy now? Follow God. Because then it enables you to see, like, where am I? I mean, maybe you're young, maybe you're middle-aged, maybe you're old. You can say, I know where I am. I know what I have. I know these things in this world are indeed, they're, they're vapor. But God has, here's what he's called me to. Here's what he's given me. And you're resting on a foundation, not of like you needing to create your own happiness, but where you know that the Lord loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins, though you didn't deserve it. And that can give you all the hope. That is the only source of the hope and the joy that you need. Right? Rejoice. Why, why should you remember your creator? For your own sake, today, it's good to remember your Creator. Last, let me talk about uh, a third reason why you should remember your Creator. For your future. For your future. I mean, years ago, uh, uh, when I, in the 90s, we, um, in early 2000s, we had this phrase, YOLO. You only live once. 
you know that? YOLO? You only live once? And um, I knew this guy. There was a guy, he was a college student. I grew up in a college town. I ministered to college students now, but my dad was pastor in a college town church. And so he, called, he was at a different university. This is at Penn State University. And he was a student. He was a young, you know, really like headstrong kind of guy, box, heavyweight boxer, actually. And uh, too much testosterone flowing in his veins. And uh, so his idea of YOLO, he saw some movie um, where like, you know, these guys were lying down in the middle of the highway on the median so that they would get a, a thrill as cars zoom past them, okay? And so he and his friends, you know, they decided like, oh, they needed to have this experience. Um, you do this when you're 19 years old and male, um, I guess. And uh, so they went and they lay down in the, you know, in the median in the road, like on the double yellow line. Um, and, and they're waiting for the thrill. But, you know, what happened? Did cars zoom past them? No, what did cars do? What would you do if you saw, saw a guy lying down on the double yellow line? They, they slowed down and they stopped and they yelled at them. Right? They yelled at them. Get off the road. What kind of idiots are you? So just so you, in case you're tempted to do that, there's no fun in it. People will just stop, thankfully. Right, but there's that excitement, right? He's like, you only live once, right? People, you would use that phrase, you only live once, as if then you should do risky stuff like that for thrill-seeking uh, behavior. You only live once. Well, remember your creator in the days of your youth, and this is, what's the fundamental tenor of this passage? Because you're going to get old, like, what's the reason to remember your Creator in the days of your youth? Because you're going to get old. Do you realize, I mean, some, some, some of us in the room are already old, and so we know we're going to get old. But do you realize that? Let me unpack some of this uh, passage. Let me just give some, some of what I think, you know, it's saying, right? It's a, he, what is the, the preacher, this is, I mean, this is Solomon. The preacher says, remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days, what are the evil days being talked about? They're old age, right? The days in which you have no pleasure in them. Right, before the lights dim. And what are those days? You know, verse 3, in the days when the keepers of the house tremble. I'm just going to give you, I mean, there are different ways that people render this. I'm just going to give you my own interpretation. What are the keepers of the house? The arms. This is where your arms are failing. When the strong men are bent, these are your legs bent over from age. When the grinders cease, the grinders are your teeth. They cease because they are few. So he's, he's describing your teeth are falling out because you're of old age. And those who look through the windows are dim. That's your eyes. Don't see well, and the doors of the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is uh, low, right? That's your ears are not working. And you rise up at the sound of the bird. This is like you don't sleep well. And all the daughters of song are brought low. You don't have that same joy in the bird song in the morning. You're afraid of what is high, and terror's in the way. You, you, you fear falling over, right? You're feeble. You're weak. The almond tree blossoms. The blossoms of the almond tree, I had to look this up. The blossoms of the almond tree are white. So that's an image of old age of our hair, right? This is my, my beard. Uh, gets more white every year. The almond tree blossoms. So you're, you're growing gray and the grasshopper drags itself along. The grasshopper, right, is an insect of summer. And so this is like the end of summer. I mean, I, I'd be glad, I'm glad when the grasshoppers are no longer invading my house. Um, but uh, we have spider crickets in our basement. They're no fun. But uh, they occasionally come up the pipes into the bathrooms. But, you know, the grasshopper drags itself along. This, this image, right, of summer is fading. And desire fails, right? As you, as, as you grow old, I was talking to an older saint in my, in my, uh, my mother's church, and, uh, you know, she was, I mean, she's, she was describing that. She's like, yeah, you do reach a certain age. 
where you're like, you know, I'm okay with my mortality, right? It's like my time is approaching uh, the, uh, its end here on this earth. Uh, because desire fails. Man is going to his eternal home, right? The mourners, like this is a very, you see these metaphors, right, of old age. Some of you don't need, you, some of you li- are living them out, right? You don't need to experience these as metaphors. And like, you know, this is why people are like, oh, Ecclesiastes is such a downer. You know, our culture, we just have a cult of youth. I don't know if you've noticed, we have a cult of youth, in our culture. I, I saw this even in Christian singers. Like you look at old, old time uh, Christian singers, it used to be they just look like normal people. And now Christian singers need to be like young and beautiful. Like that's even in the, that's even like in the Christian subculture, right? It's like our, our singers, you know, are, they, they kind of look like pop stars. They have a different wardrobe than a pop star. But like that, they have that same look. Right? We just exalt youth. I mean, it's weird because actually we're older now. I mean, people are having fewer children. Uh, the percentage of the population that's, that's elderly is much higher than in the past because we're living longer and having fewer kids. But we make youth the, 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 the height of everything, right? As if, like, you only live once, and so you should live as if you're a, a, a 25-year-old, as if there's no future, as if you will never grow old, it's a really discouraging thing. It's, you know, it's like, I mean, all the bad advice we give in culture, you know, we tell people just, you know, find what makes you happy or just follow your heart or, you know, your feelings are always true. Or alternatively, we tell people, yeah, it's like life is about being uh, 28 or something, 29. You need to always, you need to be, once you hit 29, you should never get another year older. People when, you know, working in, uh, on a college campus, people come back for reunions and uh, they say things like, oh, these were the best years of my life. When were the best years of your life? Let me ask you that. When were the best years of your life? Were they when you had your youth? I hope not. Actually, I hope not. I mean, it's fun. I mean, enjoy. As, 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 as the scripture says, rejoice in your youth. Let your heart cheer you. But remember your creator for the sake of your future. What endures? This is uh, the reason I chose this passage to preach on is because it was the passage that led my father to become a Christian. My dad was a, came from Scotland. He was an immigrant to America. But, you know, as a young man in Scotland, he was in school. And uh, uh, his school had a, a scripture union, you know, a Christian group within it. It was called Scripture Union. And they went, they had a, you know, a, a conference. It was like a, a sports gathering. They, they had a, a soccer tournament. And, uh, you know, his team had lost um, in a close match in the semifinals, you know. And then after you played, you played uh, soccer, well, they, they would call it football, but, you know, they, you played soccer, you had the tournament. And then in the evening, they made you listen to a sermon. You know the type, some of you came to faith maybe through conferences like this. So he goes, you know, there he is tired, thinking about the defeat, and he's listening to the sermon. It's like, oh, what's this going to be? And it was on this passage, Right? Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And they were doing it, of course. The guy had chosen it because he was speaking to a bunch of teenagers. And, um, uh, and you know, he was just unpacking, right? It's like, what are you living for? What is your future? What is enduring? 
Like, are you living just for like, because this is what my dad as a boy reflected on, am I living just to win a soccer tournament? I mean, that's fun. That's nice. But so what? Right? Am I living to be young and beautiful? I mean, that's fun and that's nice, but so what? Am I living because my body is, you know, uh, fit and I'm able to do the things I want with it? I mean, it's nice, but it doesn't last. What am I living for? Do I know the one who made me and the one to whom my spirit will return? There in verse 7. Right? Dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. That's where I came from, from the Lord. And that's where I'm going. And so how am I going to live my life today? Where are you headed, brothers and sisters? Where do you hope to be headed? Are you walking a path in life that will last? Are you resting on a foundation that will not fade away with age. The thing I am so thankful for growing up in the church as I did was that I knew older saints. I had proof of the Christian life. Proof. The thing that breaks my heart for young people today is often they have no frame of reference for what works out in life. They've learned, like they're betting their lives sometimes on stuff they got off the internet. Are you betting your life on stuff you got off the internet that was invented yesterday? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like the first time, there's so much I could say about uh, 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 the shifting sands just in these recent years since the internet really took hold of all our hearts on the college campus. Each year, it's something new. And, and you sit down with people, young men and young women, who are, who, who are betting their life on something made up, on something that will not endure, on something that will not last. Because some guy or some girl on Instagram said it, or on TikTok, or on YouTube. I mean, you know, half the people I know who came to faith came to faith through YouTube. I'm not knocking YouTube. I mean, I am, but I'm not. I would get rid of it if I could, but, you know, at the same time, be a missionary there. Use it for all it's worth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth for your future. So that when the day does come, I mean, you know, this is what we pray for. Lord, give me long life. So that my life, so I can reach the point of Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. Well, not that. Lord, let me be full of youth and vigor right up until the last day. But it is a beautiful thing to follow the Lord through your whole life. It is a beautiful thing. That's what you need. That's what God is calling you to. That's what your brothers and sisters around you need. That's what the world around us needs to see lives lived remembering our Creator. Lives that testify, I know what saved me. Not my own heart. I know what gives me happy. Not my own feelings. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, who laid down his life for me while I was yet his enemy so that I can now be his friend. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. Uh, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can uh, call you Father, that we can remember you, 
that you are close to us. You have drawn near to us. You have revealed yourself to us in your word. You have sent uh, the prophets, and you sent uh, your own son. You've established your church that we all might, uh, that, that your word might go out throughout the world, that we might be able to draw close, not just to you, but to one another, to love one another because you loved us first. That our lives might be living sacrifices poured out for your glory, that we might be testimonies to those around us, that there is salvation. Salvation not in ourselves. Salvation not in things that we create, but salvation in Jesus Christ alone, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.